Hello and welcome to the Anthony Mong Month Recap number four. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, continuing our romp through the filmography of Anthony Wong over the course of this month, we've aimed for 31 films, and we are now on recap number four. So far, we've seen some interesting highs, some interesting lows, and uh, come to the general conclusion that while Anthony Wong has certainly been in a lot of movies, and not all of them great, he's yet to really put in a bad performance. And tonight we're going to put the, that to the test again as we look at the latest batch of movies that have filled our viewing for this week. Uh, kicking off with 1993's Madame City Hunter, a Cynthia Khan vehicle. Uh, Cynthia Khan, if you're not aware of the name, was really one of the pioneers of the girls in guns genre. And it's kind of questionable why she was never a bigger star. She's kind of like Elizabeth Shue in that respect. Sort of one of these phenomenal actresses who just didn't have that certain something to really sort of push her into like the mainstream territory of like Anita Marie or um, Maggie Chung or perhaps even like uh, someone like Michelle Yeoh. Well, she was, she, you know, she she was created to replace Michelle Yeoh when Michelle Yeoh went off and got married um, and, and, and exited the film industry, at least for a while. Cynthia Khan was the one... Uh, they literally renamed a Taiwanese actress to have her surname, her, her reset married surname and and things like that. And yeah, she was meant to be the next big thing. And a bit like, I think we spoke about last time about the next big, you know, Hong Kong male martial arts star. And we were bemoaning, <coughs> there's been nobody since Donnie Yen, really. She didn't really, I don't know, I don't know why really. She's capable and attractive and has got quite a nice personality but just didn't happen for it did it no certainly not and it's all the more the shame when you look at this uh film where she plays a police uh officer who is uh, basically marked for death by a triad gang called the five fingers um which is kind of the plot but also, there's a lot of humorous shenanigans uh, to carry on as well. Well, that's with... that's that's the plot at the beginning and the end of the movie. In the middle, there's another fucking story going on. Um, <laughs> Anthony Wong turned up as Private Eye Charlie Chan. Yeah. Hi, Jinx and Sue. Uh, this one is just phenomenal. Just if you watch anything, just watch the opening of this film, as it's just truly phenomenal. The mm. opening of this, there is more guns being fired than I've seen in any other movie. Like everyone in this this opening scene has a gun and they're shooting it, and at the same time these blanks are producing so much dust. It's like when you see like the big battle scene in Alexander and you can't see anything because everything's obscured by smoke. It's pretty much the opening scene here, and it's like this opening shootout between the triads and the police. It's almost worthy of being a finale style shootout. It's really, really good. It, 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 this film does sort of shoot its load early, doesn't it? It also has them, after the shootout, they go to Cynthia and they say, the character says to her, right, we can't do any more, it's your turn now. And she sort of walks in on her own. <laughs> yeah, she's a... She's a badass. She does. She dual worlds AK-47s. Mm. So she gets the, uh, the job done. But uh, as you said already, Stephen, there is some... Um, Bizarre, humorous hijinks that got <laughs> happening in between this. 
Well, so yeah, so she's been marked for marked for death by the Five Fingers, which are so named just for one joke in the middle of the film that Anthony Wong pulls off rather nicely. Um, and and yeah, so it turns out some woman wants gold dig her father, who goes around in his pajamas for nearly the entirety of the middle hour of the film. <laughs> And 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 uh, Anthony Wong and his um his faithful sidekick Blackie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she's not. She's brilliant, actually. She's a, she's a she's a good laugh. I can't remember the name of the actress, but she's really good. But it's just like a different movie. And then they'll then after after all this is played, and it does kind of play into the bigger plot. It, it does more than kind of. It does. It does play into it. It's just completely tonally different. Then we have another fucking fantastic fight at the end on scaffolding and stuff. It's just weird. <laughs> oh, we got the um, Black is here played play by Shelia Chan Suklan. Probably not a name that uh, jumps out with you, but she did actually do quite a few films um, herself, including Princess Sun and Outlaw Brothers. Okay. Um... <laughs> But uh, yeah, she's she's really good in this, and she has some really great scenes with um, with Anthony Wong in it. In particular, um, she has the wonderful. She even has like her own special move called the Power Fist. Yeah, um, and she try, attempts to uh, crush Anthony Wong's throat between her thighs, which isn't a bad way to go. <laughs> For you to say, <laughs> wow, it's, what a hard day's work that must have been. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, we have these weird, with weird hijinks, and occasionally we have an action burst, such as uh, Anthony Wong like pretending to be a, a female fisherman, um, and and then gets a fight scene of back. his own. Although clearly it's not really him, but but he but he does pull off the middle finger joke that they've been desperate to do the entire film. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this. It's really, it is really, truly, truly bizarre. I mean, even like the backstory of what happened to um, his fiance, who it, we have this wonderful flashback where she's like, um, she's been captured by some some gangsters, put a bomb on her, and uh, she saves Anthony Wong's character basically by blowing herself up. And this is just a random flashback we get. And Blackie's apparently her her sister. Who, for whatever reason, they've they've now developed some weird relationship um, with. Yeah, because it's not it, it like yeah it is very weird because there's like this romantic tension between Anthony Wong and Cynthia, isn't there? But they're not really interested in progressing that. They they'd rather pro- the film would rather progress that with some other policeman she works with who's a complete. Oh, I can't remember his name. You know, he's he's a nothing, but. Yeah, the same. Um, and Anthony Wong as as leading romantic lead is a kind of weird thing, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's a strange old film, but I really liked it. It's just of its time. It's nothing to do with the Jackie Chan City Hunter, by the way. No, that's, that's it's just not. one of those Hong Kong movie name things. Do we even know what a City Hunter is? No, I assumed it was a bounty hunter, but apparently it's not a bounty hunter because he's just a police officer. I, I I I just think they just named it that to to cash in to cash in. There's there's a lot of that that goes on, isn't there? Where, um, but um, yeah, it's 
it's it's a bit of um, a, a weird obscurity. I mean, there's a great joke as well where they think that um, her dad's uh, go digging girlfriend is trying to poison him, but it turns out it's Viagra tea um, <laughs> or seven penis tea. <laughs> yes, he goes. I drank seven penis tea. <coughs> yeah, it's... we find out which is we sort of caught on to as the audience a lot more quickly because um, because one becomes a little amorous. Yeah, which again, that whole sexual tension thing sort of nearly plays out there. But then, it's all played for laughs in the middle. It's just, it's just tonally weird. But then we're used to it with nineties Hong Kong movies. And it's like, how did that? How did the director feel today? I think we're going to play it, play it by comedy. <laughs> um, I also love the scene, like in the finale, where she's obviously battling the scaffolding. We cut to Blackie, who's got a TV set on her head. And, <laughs> giving this announcement to who i don't know yeah which is, uh, basically like pronouncing it like she, acting like a tv reporter before she throws the tv set at the guy who um see the Timmy chan's uh sorry Timmy khan's battling here so yeah it's got a bit of mole tie in it hasn't it it's yeah i but i i'd never heard of it before and i really really enjoyed it <laughs> the only downside is the um the copy on YouTube says it's in HD and it's in blurry vision, so <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm not expecting you, it to be in HD, by the way. It's just the the way people title things, isn't it? You look in, you look at a lot of these movies of this era, and they've got that wonderful fuzz to them. Like when mm. we look at several of these movies from the, it's bizarre. So many of these movies have been from '93. Mm. It was just like a really productive year for Hong Kong cinema, especially if you're Anthony Wong. Yeah, um, this is in his what I call his mullet phase, where he's in a whole bunch of films with a curly mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I, the other thing it reminded me of, though, is obviously, like you say, the character he plays in this film is called Charlie Chan. And I've always thought, if we were ever to make a Charlie Chan movie that wasn't ridiculously offensive, <laughs> I think he would make a great Charlie Chan <laughs> At the very least, he can speak English, as we know. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a there's a little sunny. This could have been a Stephen Chow movie, couldn't it? Very easily. Perhaps we would have enjoyed it more if it had been the Stephen Chow movie. We probably would have known what to expect more. Yeah. No, I I I enjoyed it. It's just very bipolar. It's just, and if if you're coming to look for Cynthia Khan to kick ass. You're going to get quite bored after 15 minutes because there's one more fight, which, like, say, and I think, well, the couple of fights, but there's the Anthony Wong fight, isn't there, at, at, dressed as a fisherman schoolgirl, um, which clearly isn't really him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very deftly filmed to hide his face at the important moments. It's true, but he does do one of my favourite moves in um, in martial arts cinema, where basically you take a pole and you donk someone on the top of the head with it. <laughs> yep. Um, there's also, I'm trying to remember, there's another film I saw this uh, this week, which also features another of my favourite moves, where you put someone at the side of a fridge and then kick them through it. <laughs> I always love to see that. It's so, or, or have someone thrown through like plate glass windows. These sort of weird tropes I like to see in cinema. I, I, I didn't know about the fridge kick, but now you've said it, I'll see the it. The fridge everywhere. kick's always exciting when you see a fr- when you see a fridge kick. We get to see a similar one in the raid where uh, a guy drops down and he gets kicked out the window. 
which still is like my highlight of that whole movie. Not like the corridor fights or like the drug lab fight. Just that guy getting kicked out the window every time it gets me. It's all like... Because at that point, it's kind of like when you're watching Zulu and they're just basically they're coming out of the or- like every orifice of this building. These pe- these thugs are coming out and just like this one guy just getting kicked out the window is just brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> We should watch the raid. We'll get Emily on uh, from Verbal Diorama because I know she's a fan and she yeah, likes to talk about it. We, so. sh- we should watch Judge Dread. I mean, the raid. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, uh, next up, we have the sequel to the heroic trio, Executioners, from 1993. I can't help but attribute this to um, being a sequel in the same way that Highlander Two is a sequel. In the fact that both of them take place in a post-apocalyptic future. I haven't seen this, so I can't comment. Okay. Um, Yep, after all the effort we went to to get the trio together, they've all gone their separate ways by the time we get to Executioners. Um, Anita Murray's Wonder Woman has sort of hung up her cape and is now focusing on being a mother. She's married. Maggie Chung is still doing her thing as the thief taker and Michelle Yeoh's invisible girl is no longer invisible but she's trying to make up for the past deeds that uh, she did at the same time she's got Anthony Wong pulling double duties here because he plays the same role the hunchback guy from Heroic Trio who we saw in the uh, being basically cremated alive at the end of Heroic Trio but somehow he survived and is now her sort of like little sidekick he uh Runs around and makes a lot of gorilla noises. And at the same time, he also plays Mr. Kim, who's kind of like a combination of Lissat the Vampire and Phantom of the Opera. He for some reason, he has a steel mask and he's plotting a government overthrow. But it's down to our heroic trio to re-team up again to uh, stop this military coup and also to find the hidden source of the water that has uh, obviously been... You know, society been deprived from in this post-apocalyptic state. Why is it Mad Max Fury Road? Uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, There's I, always water missing in post-apocalyptic. Of course there is, except for Waterworld, where the, the, that's yeah. all that's left. Um, or Tango. So, <clears throat> indeed. So I haven't seen this. I, I do. I am slightly amused after just joking that Madam City Hunter isn't a sequel to City Hunter or a distaff version of it, that a film called The Executioners is the sequel to, to, to the heroic trio, and you wouldn't know, <laughs> just from the name. Yeah, I mean, here in the UK, on the Made in Hong Kong label, they released it as Heroic Trio 2, subtitle Executioners. Mm. Um, There's the same time I've had a number of people this week saying to me that they saw Executioners, and they didn't realise it was a heroic trio movie until the music kicks in at the start. I was also really upset the fact that uh, Maggie Chung doesn't have a haircut that she has in the first one. She's got just long hair. Do do you know off the top of your head how much? Le- it's Johnny Toe again, right? This is this is Johnny Toe making money. Uh, again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? Was it? Was it years after? Was it like the next year or something? Just just a weird. Just I don't know. I just don't know how. This is weird because it, it says that Heroic Trio was ninety three, and this was also released ninety three. Well, that would make sense, but it's strange that Maggie obviously had another job in the meantime. <laughs> Remember, these people pump out these movies in four a year, don't they? Yeah. So, 
and and I, I believe people like Johnny Toe makes use of his mates to help him make multiple movies at the same time in the same style. Yep. Um, this movie also features Maggie Chunk walking into the apartment of Nita Marie with a hose pipe, just blasting water everywhere. Um, as well as featuring that most popular shot of uh, this week with the trio of ladies in a in a bath. So that's pretty much all you need to market this movie as. Okay. <laughs> I'm not biting. I'm not biting. I'm just saying all I had to was, oh, I would love to be in that bath. <laughs> to which I posted the gif of Lil Yoda going, I'm just here waiting for the cue to finish. <laughs> Oh god! Uh, but yeah, there's some really fun fight scenes in it. Uh, you get anti one pulling double duties. What's not to like about that? The plot is a little plodding in places, and unfortunately, it does that horrible thing of making some plot choices, which means that it killed the franchise. So they can't. There couldn't be a third. Not yep. that. Not that it normally stops anyone in Hong Kong. But yeah, I would say it's been pretty. Uh, through uh, life, I think has pretty much uh, meant that we're never going to see an heroic trio three, if, even if they could come up with a way. This is very true. Um, and um, Anita's not going to turn up again, is she? No, Anita really sadly passed away. Uh, Maggie Chung is retired. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is still out there kicking ass. I love as well the fact that all these like eighties like icons like uh, Michelle Yeoh. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, they're just all coming into their own. They're all having this renaissance in their careers, and they're just all like playing either like um, older versions of like classic characters, or they're just like saying, you know, fuck, like you know, striving to just what um, we assume women have to be played as. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis was saying recently that in this new role that she gets to play like this portly middle-aged woman, and she's like, great. This is this why shouldn't I play this? Mm, yeah, um, and it? I've also heard rave reviews about Maggie Chung's latest project as well. So, what's that? Well, um, Michelle Yeoh's latest project, the one where oh, she's Michelle. in the multiverse. Oh yes, yes. Or the Yeoh-verse. Yes, that did look that looked like a good trailer. Yes, you're right. Um, so, and it's through A24 of all people, which which usually is good for that kind of genre. Uh, they're kind of like the uh, the arty folk. Hmm. To um to quote Kevin Smith, <laughs> they they put an arty crap like the piano and the crying game. <laughs> but they but they also they have genre films as well, don't they? So yeah, I mean, I mean they, they're doing with a twenty four. I mean, I've always been like um like a, the Bloomhouse fan of like the team. Um. I just like I like the visual style of the Blue Mouse movies. I love like the Purge and um, that and the the output that he's been putting out. And then you look at the year twenty four and it's things like the Lighthouse and Midsummer, which was great. And then you have Hereditary, which I just didn't get, but everybody really likes. No, I'm with you. I I, I thought Hereditary was. I think it had a strong start and then lost the it's plot. It's got one really effective scene in it. Yeah, don't um, lose, don't lose your head. Um, and, <laughs> it's funny how we all know which scene it was, wasn't it? And, and I, just, I, just, I thought I thought up to that point it was going really well, and then it turned okay. into a completely different sort of film. But Midsummer, wow, that is 
I think that's astonishing. But I know a lot of people don't like that as well. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Midsommar. What was the other one you mentioned? Um, Lighthouse? Uh, Lighthouse. Oh, see, I love The Lighthouse as well. I've yet that, to watch it. So. so That is an art house movie. <laughs> yeah, but they also put out Lamb as well. I know. I've got, um, I, I want to see Lamb. I'm, I'm I, I, Icelandic. Which, it sounds like Little Otic. It does. Sheep. It, it does sound like Little Otic. Yeah, that's exactly why I want to see it. And it, it's got one of my favourite actresses in it. It's Naomi Raspass, isn't it? Is in it. Um, speaking yet another language because she's so fucking talented. Um, but yes, it looked like Little Otic to me. But I don't see how the lamb would become quite as bad as Otic. Um Next up, we have another Johnny Toe offering with Exiled from 2006. Um, yeah, I haven't seen this one either, which is a bit of... Have you seen this one? No, I, I was trying to get hold of a copy today to watch, and I just ran out of time. And It's, it's weird, of... because I remember like that cover uh, mm. just being everywhere. Uh, the one where he's like um, against the wall, and he's got like real manga hair. Mm. Yeah, no, it's... These sort of... Jo- Johnny Toe puts out loads of these bloody triad stroke police thrillers doesn't he drama thriller things and i have a hard time keeping up with them to be honest with you because i'm more interested in the other half of his output his more sort of crowd pleasy stuff that funds all these films and and i saw that you watched it on um on one of your social media feeds i thought oh yeah yeah i'll watch that today and end up watching something else because i just couldn't get hold of a a copy in a hurry okay so, so tell me about exiled okay exiled is um, about a group of friends who went on to join a life of crime with the uh, triads. One of them has recently gone rogue, and his friends have been basically been dispatched by Simon Yan's boss to take him out because uh, basically before this this guy disappeared, he tried to assassinate Simon Yan's uh, character and basically failed. So you've got two of these friends who are setting out to kill him and two who are setting out to save him. Now, the opening of this film opens with a Mexican standoff that uh, diverges into some John Woo stylistic gunplay as we see these guys like both like have this unspoken rule between them where they're both all going to have just like five bullets and they blaze it out and then basically look at each other, realise nobody's dead and repair the guy's apartment and all sit down and have a nice meal together. It's a really bizarre opening to this movie to say the least but it's a very stylized film which very reminiscent of like the early 90s john woo outputs of things like uh, better tomorrow the killer um hardboard as we get to see a lot of um sort of stylish um sort of gunplay in in at work here um basically with the groups uh all decide that they're gonna go off against uh, the boss and go rogue um, only for him to basically track them down and uh, ultimately get them caught up in a plot to steal some uh, gold from a government official Uh, this is a really 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 good film Um, it's got some really good sort of drama it taps into as I said already those sort of early 90s John Woo themes of like brotherhood and loyalty Simon Yam is on real villainous form here um, as the uh, as the crime boss who at one point gets shot in the nuts, 
but he's just a really great villain in this, and it's kind of fun to see him playing a villain rather than a cop for a change, because normally he just turns up as like the voice of reason in these movies. So see him as the voice of well, no reason. Um, it's a fun change, and Anthony Wong's a great sort of I wouldn't say spearhead of this uh, this group of friends who are setting out to. Essentially, escape this life of life of crime, and uh, certainly escape their their former employer, who's uh, obviously out looking for them while making moves into Macau. But uh, if you haven't seen Exile, definitely check it out. It's really, really good. I will. <laughs> it's really hard when I'm left. I mean, it's just me describing these things, so I'm always like worried. I'm just like not doing the best description. <laughs> least, so. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, uh, next up we have the sequel to a movie that we have talked about already on the show, and that's Moment of Romance 2 from 1993. Oh, my work phone has just sent a text. I didn't even know it was here. (laughs) Carry on. Okay, Moment of Romance 2 uh, basically sees a street racer who picks up a um, prostitute who's on the run from her former employers after she was uh, framed for killing her pimp this is uh if you as I said, if you've not seen seen uh, moment of romance one really doesn't matter because uh, this film's pretty much a standalone movie on its own this one's also produced by Johnny Toas directed by Benny Chan but I feel this is a situation like with Poltergeist where it's um, a Toby Hooper movie, but everyone says that Spielberg directed it. Yeah, I was hinting at this earlier that I think Johnny Toe has his disciples and I think they all fill in for each other. <clears throat> Benny Chan is certainly one of them. Um, yeah, the only thing this film's got in common with A Moment of Romance is the lead actress is the same lady i can't remember her name but she's a completely different character oh well, uh Wu Chen Lian. yeah so she's she she's in both films but she's a completely different character this one she's a mainland prostitute when you say framed i think it's more like she hung around at the crime scene a bit too long <laughs> yeah but let me say her her pimp gets killed by one of his underlings um in a bathroom i mean he gets strangled with a toilet seat so it's another one for our toilet death list. Yeah. Um, which also features him being kicked through a plate glass window. Yeah. So it's it's ticking a lot of boxes already here for the uh, the old trope game. Mm. But uh, yeah, she's basically they uh, this underling basically like frames her and sets the other members of this gang looking for her, basically saying that he she was the one who killed him. Well, basically taking over the uh, gang for himself, and it's uh, she just happens to like run out on the street while Aaron Quark's street racer, like pulls up on his motorcycle and they uh they burn off. I have to say as well that uh, in this scene, because they go to this um sort of makeshift track they all hang around in, the scene of the the uh, truck tipping over from Moment of Romance one is reused here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this this film lives in two universes there's two there's two films going on that have been munged together there is this there's this story of this prostitute who's on the run from the triads and um 
and 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 Aaron Kwok's floppy fringed oh yeah boy band is. character sort of tries to save her but he's also got a he's got a dark secret that he I'm not really sure how it happened but he was involved in his mother's death I think she took the handbrake off and he couldn't hold on to it I didn't really understand what was going on there and he's fallen out with his dad over this understandable and he's and but also in another universe so this is kind of sort of crime thriller with a bit of a family melodrama going on there's another film going on about this sort of bike racing scene <laughs> which is where anthony wong is that doesn't really seem to have a lot of connection with anything other than floppy fringed Aaron quok's mate is always in debt to the triads and is Goes out of his way to betray his mate. Um, and they don't really belong to each other. But they were so desperate to put motorbikes in, weren't they? Because of the famous motorbike scene in Moment of Romance. It's weird. The motorcycle sequences in this film are phenomenal. Oh, it's, like, it's like you're watching a live-action version of Akira. It's, um, it's a, really good. Yeah, like all in there, and he's like got like at least thirty bikes just like howling down the streets of Hong Kong. It's like wow. Yeah, no, look, don't don't get me wrong. There's, there's half a good movie in here. Unfortunately, oh, it only God. it only takes <laughs> a third of the running time. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to touch on some of the points you raised, Aaron Quark, as you mentioned already, he's unable to save his mother, who we see him holding holding onto her arm as she's in this car that's rolling down a hill into a bush that somehow causes the car to explode. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a long-term... Lots of people obviously know that cars don't tend to explode into flame. Whatever not when they hit a bush, them. either. Especially not when they hit a bush. Unless it was the burning bush and we're missing a whole Old Testament thing going on here. But yeah, it blows up big time. I just don't know why she was in the car, what she was doing, why he was outside. All I know is he feels responsible for it because he was there. I think she may have tried to kill herself or something, but it's not clear. But you're right, there's this burning bush and it blows up. But I also hate it when petrol stations blow up in films because you've never seen a petrol station blow up. They just can't. Anyway, back to your... Sorry, you hate when a petrol station blows up. I hate films where... There's some kind of accident, and then the yeah. petrol station blows up like it's a mini A bomb, which oh wow is not a thing that can happen. <laughs> it's just I mean, we're just gonna have to get this on a t-shirt. It's just like <laughs> hate, hate, fun, love melodrama. This is... Oh, don't get me wrong. There's fun I like, but but if it takes me so, out so of you're it, you're saying that like when the petrol station blows up in RoboCop, you were just like. No, I, I don't like this. It can't happen. It's under fucking. It's under fucking thick concrete. There's no way. It's really hard to set light to petrol at the best of times, using flame, and. <laughs> well, it's like it's like oh god. There's a whole thing here about okay when they used to tell you that your mobile phone would would make the petrol station blow up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah well. How many fucking petrol stations have you ever seen blow up outside of Robocop? I'm going to tell you how many you've seen. None. Because that's bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's not health and safety gone mad. There's actually a reason they did it. They made this lie up, which was because the signal from mobile phones could affect the, the 
the calibration of the pumps. That's what they were afraid of. No one's trousers have ever caught fire at the pump. No petrol stations have ever blown up. It's bullshit. Anyway, as you say, Aaron Kwok's mum mysteriously blows up in a car, rolling down a small incline into a bush and goes up like Robocop shot it. Yeah. It's weird. We also get another complicated father-son relationship. Surprisingly, Auntie Wong's not involved in that one, because we know he loves to play a complicated father figure. Yeah, again, though, but they resolve that within an hour of the movie. Like, that in any other film, that would have been like the end of the movie that the father and the son reconcile. But no. (laughs) They just fix it. Just Um. just, Just so the ending can be sadder. Yeah, um, Anthony Wong here plays the motorcycle uh, rival. Here's putting a lovely shaved head. Dinosaur. That's his name, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He uh, he also cheats at riding motorcycles because apparently that's what Anthony Wong does. He cheats at Mahjong and he treats riding motorcycles. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a weird one in this movie because again. I, I do maintain it's like two different movies. I hope you, when you say together. weird one, it's in like a phenomenal one in this movie. He is such a great villain of the piece. Oh, Even he's the like he's the best thing about this movie by a million miles. He's having fun. He's he's sort of kind of slimy evil to start with, and all out fucking evil by the end. Um, compared to Aaron Kwaku, just floats around the fucking film with his little curtains fringe and looking like someone from a boy band from the 1990s he's got that same sort of swoop that um in uh, that we saw in um eastern condors the young biao had oh yeah yeah he yeah, has yeah. that <laughs> that swoop across the eye for whatever reason and 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 again I, i've forgotten the lead actress's name but she just sleepwalks through 90 percent of the film i mean she spends an entire day and night at the track meet when no one's there looking for her money. I appreciate she's traumatised and there's a bit more going on, but she's, she honestly seems to spend half a movie in a, in a daze. And you, you haven't said why she's a prostitute, of course. Well, yeah, she's raising <laughs> money to, uh, to get her brother out of prison, I think it is. Well, so she's from the mainland. Her brother's from the mainland. Mainland China is displayed as a prison room with some communist slogans on the wall. Um... So he is an anti-corruption campaigner who has been put into prison, but she can get him out if you get something like 50,000 Hong Kong dollars to pay for him to get out, i.e. being corrupt. (laughs) It's like, really? It's a really complicated backstory for her. (laughs) I think you had more of an issue with this movie than I did, because I had so so much fun with it. Sounds like you really enjoyed it. I I mean, I did. I mean, this is a romantic movie, which also features a car flip shot from four angles. And when I say that, is that we see the car flip, and then they show it again, and they show it again. (laughs) It's like, yeah, this is is something you do in action movies, not in romantic melodramas. It's just, it's like a whole bunch of things just munged together. Yeah. And I think it I I think you may have found it more successful than I, but that's well, that's okay. I mean I was watching this and I was like, Oh, you know, this is a three and a half and we get into the big final bike race and we get to see the Hong Kong health and safety on full show <laughs> as in there is none. We see motorcycles 
flying off into the crowds. People standing next to huge explosions. <laughs> it's like there's no health and safety at all here. It's like worse than when you look at like the Filipino genre movies <laughs> and there's people like falling out of trees onto their heads. Um, I I think maybe I'm enjoying it for like all the wrong reasons, but I I I it's just so unbelievably nutty, and I think that's why I liked it and. The way they try to recapture like the iconic shot of like the first one where she's in the wedding dress on the back mm. of the motorcycle and it's all like here she's in the white short dress on the back of the motorcycle. Um again the, the she's white... got no protection whatsoever and oh. this motorcycle is caning it down <laughs> the road. Also, I'd love to know where in Hong Kong this this track made of cars piled on top of each other and stuff. It's a it's got a real post apocalyptic feel to it. Yeah. I mean I, I do. It was a moment of romance. They had a similar setup, didn't they? Where there was sort of racing stuff going on and people doing stuff on the back of pickups and yeah. things. Yeah, I do remember. I, I vaguely remember. Fundamentally, that Aaron Kwok in this film is just such a cipher and she's such a cipher. I just didn't get engaged with it. And then other people turn up, like Anthony Wong, who just like. He's obviously having a bit of a laugh, but obviously he can act them all into a cocked hat, can't he? And he's just... Yeah, this is shaved head, Anthony Wong. <laughs> it's a unique look, so we haven't seen him with the, this shaved uh, head look. Oh, dear, yeah, Untold Story he does, doesn't he? Oh, When's... yeah, but I'd say this more... It's not as... Like here, it's like right down to the wood. Mm, yeah. Um, whereas when we look at Exiled, it's that weird sort of haircut he has in Gangster Payday. Where it's sort of like shaved at the side. It's almost like a mohawk, but it's got a mm. little more respect to it. It's a little more more mm. uh, on top. So, But it's not quite um, like a curly look from Three Stooges. No, no. So the thing is, how are we ever going to get to watch Moment of Romance 3? <laughs> it's going to happen. It's, it's got to. It's got to, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, um, I don't know. It's... It is what it is, but I think it's vastly inferior to the original. But your mileage clearly varies. <laughs> I couldn't really remember much of the original. That's the thing. It's it's this movie that really still has stuck with everyone who watched it, apart from myself. I remember like <laughs> certain shots, but I remember this one certainly a lot more. <laughs> but again, it's probably for all the wrong reasons that like Benny Chan probably fully was like crafted this like this in. Like it's wonderful, like a uh, heartbreaking love affair, and then Johnny tells like, "Yeah, do you mind if I just had a couple of bits?" And <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's probably the other way around, to be honest with you. But it, yeah, I, I, I just both had like half a movie each. Just like, <laughs> sure, we can just splice this together. <laughs> That's what we're doing the editing. I just there was no sense that these two were even having a romance. He basically picked up a prostitute who's just potentially kicked up, kicked. Sorry, picked up a prostitute who potentially has just committed a murder. I mean, we know she hasn't, but she's she's in a traumatic state, and then she gets involved in his relationship with his dad, nosy cow, and then suddenly they're in love. Oh yeah, I forget she got she gets stabbed at some point, doesn't she? And that seems to disappear pretty quickly. Anyway, I'm going to stop having a go at it because clearly you loved it. And I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> this, yeah. this isn't going to be my terrorizers. There's another great, there's a hereditary style decapitation scene as well. Yep. I mean, it's not as effective. I'm basically watching someone. 
learn why you don't shove your head out of the car while it's moving. <laughs> is this a hereditary callback? Yes. <laughs> I just like I just like to highlight uh, how, moments of interest because how, you know some... how nothing nothing is original in cinema. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hereditary. Moment of romance, Moment of romance two did it first. <laughs> well, it's like basically seven plots, isn't there? That's what they say. Yeah, it's like boy meets girl, stop that wedding. Revenge. So yeah, it's just like, and this, it, and this it, has got five of them in it. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there is no original plots. There's no. just reworkings of ideas. Indeed, this is what they tell you first day in writing class, and it weeds out all the dead wood. Mm. And you still end up sitting there and listening to someone go on for four and a half pages about growing children in the wrong place. Where you sit there rolling cigarettes, trying just nodding along, going, "Yes, very good." <laughs> I sense bitterness. Come on, what do you watch next? Next up, Color of Truth from two thousand and three. Uh, this was one that was released on a um, a label called Taising. They, as far as I'm aware, they only produced like two films on their label. The other one being Cop on a Mission. Um, and it's weird because when they you saw like. The little adverts in like Neo or sort of like um, the film magazines, it looked almost like they'd sent out uh, the poster to the to the, the to the printer or whatever, and it'd been like blown up because it was always like this really pixelated sort of poster they had to advertise their stock, which probably explains why they didn't last too long. So they're one of those more obscure labels, much like Tokyo Bullet or Warrior. They sort of uh, came and went. They were never like a big hitter like Uncle Legends, or which obviously became Premier Asia. But uh, here, Ansi Wong plays a police superintendent who may be responsible for killing the father of uh, the young cop who is now out for revenge, but at the same time forced to work with him on a case. Um, as at the same time, the triad boss that he killed son is also making moves into the Hong Kong drug trade as well. This one is really, really phenomenal. I don't understand why this one doesn't get more buzz. It was coming in hot on the hills of Infernal Affairs. So there's lots of Anthony Wong from Infernal Affairs all over the cover of this one. Um, I've never seen it. Never heard of it. you never heard of this? Never heard of it. No. Even if it does stand, star Anthony Wong from Infernal Affairs. Well, that's disappointing. So I can't slag it off. <laughs> uh, it's directed by Wong Jing. Oh, my God. Oh. The uh, director of such classics has got a gambler, City Hunter, High Risk, Future Cops. A uh, film that you watched this week, $60 million Man. Yes. Uh, yes. Last Hero in China. Yes, I mean Wong Jing. I think we've spoken about him before when we did Naked Killer. Um, you know, he he is a force of Hong Kong cinema, both behind the camera and as just a, a producer. And uh, a lot of what he produces is twenty four karat shite. But occasionally, like a stopped clock, he produces a classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one does also feature Lu Chang Wing. Okay. Um, who's on the cover front and centre, but he's in it for about five minutes. <laughs> it's so one don't of them, don't get it? too excited about, about him being in it. So but yeah, this is a film as well where everyone has really unusual 
really unusual sort of nicknames. And we talked to already about you know how Fatty, and Fatty and Blackie, Fatty and Blackie and Siggy uh, often come up. But here we've got a character called Cripple. Oh my god! Uh, we also have a number of characters named after you know food and items. So his former partner was called Seven Up, and his son is called Cola. <laughs> I don't know why, but apparently the uh, apparently the. Reverend Wong Ho Yin uh, plays uh, plays the son Cola, and he's like, "My friends called me Cola," and it's like, "Why are they calling you Cola?" It's like it's like why is Cherry on Fat called Tequila in Hardboiled? <laughs> Just is. <laughs> it's like why do they think that Dumbo and Mickey Mouse is like good <laughs> nicknames in? <Killer? laughs> yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed that. Um, there's also a character called Toast. Yes, oh, good old Chapman Toe. I mean, he's 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 one that we could do a month on as well. Not going to give you ideas because you'll because you'll probably find out with half the same movies. But okay, so what's what's the plot though? What's the story? What's so the... basically? Yeah, basically, you as I said, you've got this this cop who's out for revenge against the the guy he feels that killed his father. Obviously, uh, in this case, actually Wong's police who, the superintendent. And they find themselves on the same case where they're basically forced to work together and at the same time he's like questioning what actually happened because when his father was killed this triad boss it was only the three of them on this roof nobody saw it they just heard the gunshots and he's been sort of like working his his way up for the police looking for revenge on on this guy Anthony Wong is a force of nature in this movie he's absolutely phenomenal there's a <laughs> great scene where one of his underlings uh, turns up with McDonald's and where they're doing a stakeout and they basically forces him to uh, watch because he said oh have you eaten are you eating and he's like oh I'm I'm fine I'm not hungry and he's like good and so he gives everyone else their McDonald's and forces this guy to watch this building uh, it's really as I said it's a really really good thriller I think it's got some really good action beats in there as well um, and it's very sort of stylist as well it's uh, sort of like that early 2000s of Especially everything off the back of Inferno Affairs, it had that real sort of nice gloss to it. So <coughs> I was half tempted to bring this to the show because I think you'd like it. Um, yeah, it sounds really interesting. It's just one of the, you know, obviously there are a lot of Hong Kong films in the, from the eighties, nineties, and noughts, um, and I don't think I'll ever be able to watch them all. So yeah, that sounds. It does. It does sound quite good. I'm glad. As I said, I'm awful at describing like <laughs> and stuff. It's like it's why I work better if you've seen something. <laughs> it's kind of why when throughout this week it's sort of like this is what I've watched, and I tried to give you like a you do. a head start. You, you do, and I try. I tried. I have watched a couple. I did watch. I've watched half I know. of them. I know. <laughs> uh, finally, for this week, um, it's a film which I remember being like everyone being like really excited for it coming out and then nobody talked about it and that's uh, 2012's Motorway by Soi Chunk oh I didn't know you'd watch this this was today so you may ah, not see my I've seen vlog. this I've got this 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 is a great movie yeah if you like like myself and you look at the Fast and Furious movies and think wow that's a lot of dross why can't we just do stuff with actual cars you really want to watch Motorway as uh, this is just phenomenal. It's very much like Initial D in a way. Um, with Sean Yi, I want to say. Yes, Infernal Affairs. 
uh, Sean Yu, um, big, big, big star of this period. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got a great cast, this has. Yeah, oh. he's um, he's part of this uh, this unmarked police car squad called the Phantom Squad, who are basically just cops who go around in unmarked police cars pulling over uh, motorists. At the same time, he's got a bit of a boy racer streak to him and is a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, his partner is played by Anthony Wong, who's sort of like this senior officer because he's in that stage of playing, you know, aging something or other. Um, with a stopover, when they, he goes rogue on a stopover, he finds himself demoted to just basically manning a speed camera. At the same time, a legendary getaway driver has uh, been released from prison, is uh, certainly helping a bunch of crooks plan their latest heist, and it's uh, down to this young hotshot and his uh, partner to try and stop them, the end result being some absolutely phenomenal car work. Uh, if you're a fan of Wheelman movies, this is one that you should definitely be checking out. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, uh, Chiang Pu So is a bit of a Johnny, another one of these Johnny Toe people. <laughs> he made a film just before this called Accident, which is now it's your turn to make funny noise. Um, which is um, fantastic as well. I'm just making sure that. Um, Anthony Wong isn't in it, <laughs> and then it's not going to come up. No, but Michelle Yeh is in it, who's also in this one. Um, it's a Louis Koo film, um, where basically people go around faking murders as part of accidents, <laughs> car accidents, things like that. Fantastic, but yeah, this is yeah. He just made these really two good movies. Unfortunately, he's gone off and made all these stupid Monkey King CGI films, which there. Yeah. But yeah, this is great, and I'd forgotten Anthony Wong was in it in full shaved head mode. I think. No, I think this is. Just... Uh, is I guess so. It's, it's, yeah. it's basically he has a police haircut. Yeah. Okay. Fair um, enough. Yeah. And he he has a wife who brings him soup when he's hanging around in the middle of the night for no explainable reason. <laughs> um, watching his partner destroy tires, doing this this special move, which basically allows you to. Do a 90 degree turn. It didn't make much sense when he's teaching him, but it sort of comes into play at the end where we get a game of cat and mouse in the garage, which is really cool. We then take out onto the streets uh, with the sound design in this film going absolutely cocoa bananas at the end as you get the full impact of this uh, destruction derby s finish that they have. But this is a, just a phenomenally good time. Um... There's also a scene of him trying to pick up a girl in a bar, showing off his fancy uh, driving skills, which she's having none of. So that was kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sean Yu, he's you know, yeah, not he's, not he, not everybody likes Sean. Young, he's a pretty young thing. He's like Nicholas Tay. He's, he, he's so, so Nicholas Tay, him, um, there's a couple of others. They're in a lot of films of this period. Um, I always used to think he was. Um, Mainlander, but I think you know. I think he's Hong Kong. He's um, he's the star of the Love and the Puff films. That's how I know him the best. Um, which we were talking about at the beginning of our <laughs> our pre pre recording production meeting five minutes that we have. Um, so yeah, but he's and again he plays um, he plays Tony Long's character in the past in Infernal Affairs two. So if that makes sense, if you understand what I'm. I know what you say. Yeah, 
Cool. Um, yep. We also get uh, Michelle Yi, who I believe is overdubbed here. I think she's Chinese, isn't she? So yeah. almost certainly. Because I just remember, it just saw it come up in the credits that she's the only woman overdub artist. Yeah. So she's uh, in, she, she's in she's in his previous film Accident as well. Yeah. She's she's I think she's a mainland Chinese lady. But um, she's also in Dream Home, which you really love. I do. I do. Yeah. She's a she's. An interesting um, Josie Ho, who's in this film, is also in Dream, who's the lead character in Dream Home as well. It all comes together. <laughs> it all comes together. Uh, so yeah, if you've not seen Murder Away, definitely check it out. It will remind you of like what good car smash movies were before Fast and Furious just thought, yeah, we'll just fob you off with unrealistic CGI. Jumping between skyscrapers. It's just so like stupid. I watch these movies and they're so stupid. They're not even like enjoyably stupid. I I don't mind the really stupid ones. But and then it's like them it's... prattling on about family every five minutes. I mean, oh, yeah. I think the worst thing that happened was the fact that uh, Paul Walker died, which meant that the thing which anchored the whole franchise was now gone. And you basically left with a bunch of people there for a paycheck. I mean, obviously, um, I can't remember her name now. Uh, Vin Diesel's girlfriend in those movies. Uh, Michelle. Yeah. What's her name? Yes. Rodriguez. Rodriguez, that's it. Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, is, I, I give a pass. Because who doesn't like to see Michelle Rodriguez in things? Um, just doing the, that scowly thing. Well, the, 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 the Hawaii local police. They're the only people I know that don't like her. Remember, she's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a callback to season four of Lost or something, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that was in season two where she was like, you had all these um, people turn up in the back end of the plane, wasn't mm, it? Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, she's get, she got caught for DUIs and stuff, doesn't she? Didn't she? doesn't she that, that oh god she's the character who dies and is not dead and then is in a fucking coma oh not a coma like a zombified oh yeah yeah but she yeah she's the character who's killed in um is killed in uh, two killed, but... killed in four and then she's comes back as a villain in five yeah i know people who love those films and take them very seriously so i need to be very careful what i say but they're, they're they're escapist nonsense, aren't they? And they go on too long. And the beef between the Rock and Vin Diesel over it is just boring. So rather... it's funny. Like I was just thinking about like you know with uh, John Cena obviously becoming more of an actor these days. That I actually enjoy watching John Cena more than I enjoy watching the Rock in things now. Mm, well, just, like, the Rock's just about. Well, I oh, no, I did I did enjoy Jungle Cruise despite myself. He just seems so plateaued. But he's just a nice bloke, isn't he? <laughs> That's his his USP is he's a nice bloke with muscles. And he's got um, nothing else to him. And then I watched John Cena in uh, the Peacemaker TV show. I haven't watched that yet. Is it good? It's just it's just come over here now, which mm. chances are you probably either like downloaded it or had the crap spoiled out of it already but yeah it's it's great and i think the fact he's working with james gunn mm. it's basically this what what he needs is just like a, a director just to basically who knows what uh what he wants and can give him the direction he needs 
I mean, he was he was good. The the, the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie from which Peacemaker Peacemaker has spun out from, yeah, um, was very entertaining, and he made good use of John Cena in in that because it just let him be a sort of version of himself, really. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and Robert Patrick turns up as dad. Okay, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing you it. You should eh? check it out. Yeah, but definitely. We, we, that's what we do when we finish when we wrap up here. Now we will go and watch we'll watch the Peacemaker TV show. See so if you haven't done already, please do uh, check them out. You can follow us on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Come say hi to us, and uh, while you're there, maybe leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Is it a whole health story support for the show? Uh, also, click the like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Um, Coming up on our next episode on the main show, we are going to be looking at Park Chan Wook's The Handmaiden, a rather saucy tale. Um, but, Stephen, anything else you want to talk about? Um, but until next t- week, we'll join us for our final recap of Anthony Wong Month. Uh, we've got some key titles still outstanding that I'm going to have to watch. But uh, you'll find out what they are when you join us next week. But until then, thank you to my co-host, Stephen. Pleasure as always. And uh, we'll be back next week with our final instalment of Anthony One Month. But until then, have a good night.